Today's episode of Perpetually Correct is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM to get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, in the studio with JB and Kyle Beats. Fellas, how we doing? J-Mac, great to be back here in the studio. We got conference championship games this week, and um, we put a bow on the college football season earlier in the week, and uh, I don't know, man, I'm kind of falling into a, a slight depression here, realizing that... I don't get to watch 18, 19 year old burn money alive for us uh, for a couple months. <laughs> which, I don't know, man. Well, I, we got to start studying the NFL draft and bet some props there. Something. I don't know. I don't know. It's getting, it's kind of depressing because there's only three real football games that matter. You know, like that's, that's it. There's three more games for sure. Yeah. But you should, then, you should be excited though, that we have, you know, Ocho Cinco trying out to be an XFL kicker. I mean, that that is going to be awesome. <sighs> Dude, I actually like his chances in that. I think they sign him just because he probably is right. worth his contract. That's what I'm saying. Definitely. Like that's going to get seats there. So I like I like his chances to make the team. Hopefully that'll yeah. that'll all keep our football, you know, our football desire alive for a couple <laughs> of months at least. This is this is what the XFL needs to do though. Is attack college superstars who didn't pan out. Like go get Colt Brennan types, you know, from Hawaii. Tim Tebow types. I don't think Tim Tebow's at a point. You know, go get these guys who really did excel in college football, but yep. fall flat on their face. It's a good idea. Because it, 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 if that was the situation, if you're telling me I get to watch Colt Brennan versus Tim Tebow, like what, five, six years ago, I'd be pretty jacked up about that. I mean, <laughs> like, all right, let's do this thing. You, you know, why not? I mean, a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's not going to be a quarterback in the NFL long term in a couple of years, that's a total other debate on where, how he ends up, but you know, guys like that, I think that would make the XFL more exciting. Not just, all right, this guy at a Northeastern central is actually a pretty decent quarterback, but none of you have ever heard of him. Yeah. But the thing there, the dangerous thing there is then you get gambling on the XFL and that's just not advisable by any means. Oh my God. I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it. (laughs) Oh yeah. That shouldn't, that shouldn't be a thing. Let's just pretend that's not a thing. (laughs) It will be, you know it. Real quick, do you think these con- these conference championship games before we're going to dive into everything? But do you think they're going to be kind of a dull? Um, th- they have the I chance mean, we'll, to both we'll, be we'll, blowouts. We'll talk about it. I yeah, mean, we'll get to it. just yes or no though. Like I think it's uh, very no. likely. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Okay, I don't think it's going to be as chalk as you think it is. But we'll get into that. I've got some some numbers I've looked into. But yeah, uh, I think it's kind of a weird time of year though because it's like the NFL's ramping up to its like maximum overdrive, you know, the best part of the year, really. But then college is over, and it's just like this weird limbo time. Well, yeah, February is the worst month. No doubt. It's short, but it seems like the longest month. There's really no NFL outside of the Super Bowl, but it happens usually on the first or second day. So kind of remove that. We're not in March Madness yet. 
NBA and NHL aren't in playoffs. The draft's still too far out. I mean, there's just so many aspects that don't go on. At least in March, you get spring training, March Madness, NFL drafts coming around the corner. I don't know. To me, there's a lot more to look forward to. But Yeah, February is kind of the dog days, but we got, we got to be excited for what just happened this week and what we got ahead of us. Definitely. Yeah. So I think we should dive into we, – we previewed a little bit when you were gone, JB, but we should dive into thoughts on the national championship game, LSU versus Clemson. Uh, why don't you run us off? And, and since you were out last week, give us a little rundown. Yeah, I mean, certainly Joe Burrow showed up. Uh, I think when you look at this LSU team, folks want to anoint them one of the best ever in college football. You, you need a little bit more time there. Uh, obviously, football's changed in the past decade and two, so I, I just think it's a – a little premature just to anoint them. We, we need to see how these next few teams, especially Clemson next year, pans out. But um, as much as I – look, we were all over LSU on this podcast from the beginning, so I'm not trying to take away anything, but I am really skeptical of Joe Burrow moving to the next level. And it, it's not for the sake that he's not been a great college quarterback and all of this, but he's been thrown to three NFL wide receiver yep. first round wide receivers, a future first end tight end and Randy Moss's son, his whole offensive line is going to be drafted. His running backs going to probably go in the first three rounds next season. It's just hard for me to really go this is a guy who is probably projected in most sixth, seventh round. I mean, left for dead. I mean, yeah. in the transfer portal a couple of years ago. Yeah. It, and he's, he was a two star too recruit. Too much of a too. jump. Yeah, he was a two star recruit. So I mean, yeah, he's he's been underrated for most of his career. But I don't think you look at that when you're saying, "Are they one of the greatest college football teams ever?" Of how Joe Burrow is going to project. You know what I mean? I mean, I yeah. get that he's thrown to three NFL receivers, but he still put up incredible numbers. I think it's fair to say they're one of the greatest ever. I mean, they beat seven top ten teams, and sure. we watched them beat the piss out of three pretty good teams in Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma. It's Look, true. I'm, I'm not, and that's the, and I sound like I'm just trying to take a crap on him. I'm really not. Great team. I'm more skeptical of Joe Burrow individually moving forward. But that's overall, fair. yeah, LSU did exactly what we thought they were going to do. Run the table. Um, Clemson really didn't put up much of a showing after the first quarter. I mean, they had a great game plan. Brent Venables, great game plan offensively, and then LSU just took over because they made the right adjustments and they had the better team. So that's why it snowballed so quick. But, well, truly, when you have the ball down three and you're not feeding Travis Etienne, I don't understand that. Etienne, yeah. from the third quarter on, once they were down three points, touched the ball once. Yeah, that made no sense. He had 114 yards on 20 touches. <laughs> right. I give I mean, him the ball. Yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. So I think it could have been a different game, obviously. It was just that snowball effect. But at the end of the day, I'm glad LSU won because they were the best team throughout the year. Probably more deserving so it was great to see that capped off because that doesn't always happen i mean you look at that georgia alabama game uh three years ago when georgia was the better team for three and a half quarters and then lost to two and you know so it's just tough when you watch those games and seasons because a team like georgia i really look back at that team how they were built and the amount of nfl talent they really should have won the national championship so happy for lsu uh, they're going to lose a ton of guys this coming year, including Joe Brady, who already went to Carolina. So yep. uh, that is going to be an interesting team total to see where that opens up. 
Because if it's anything at 10 and a half, I'm taking the under. There, there's a lot of changes going to be going on in LSU. Not to say there's not talent, but definitely, yeah. You, you, you have a, a, a bullseye in your back, and they open the year versus Texas. Texas will go on the road. Senior quarterback Sam Ellinger. That's already a game up target. I can't wait for that. If that line's anything, it's seven plus. I'm hammering Texas. I think you're so like to go back on what you were saying about Joe Burrow and the like in the next level and everything. I think the bigger concern for me and probably what that feeds into for you is the fact that he's going to end up going to Cincinnati. Right. I just the situation isn't great, so it's that doesn't help anything. I mean, you go to any Ohio team, and it seems like you know the, well, the wheels are really going to come off the, the tracks pretty fast. But yeah. I think that's probably a, a good thing to recognize, too, though, because it's not like you have a young, elite group of receivers on that team or anything like that. They're just they're, they're in the midst of a rebuild, and he's going to be piece number one, it seems like. Um, well, yeah, you're going to lose A.J. Green, right? right? I mean, he's gone. Right. Offensive line is one of the worst Garnish. 10 in the league. Um, they can't figure out how to use Joe Mixon. We've shit on Zach Taylor on this podcast weekly. The guy's a horrendous head coach. So you're probably going through an experience where Zach Taylor's going to be fired at the end of the next year. They're going to go one in 15 again, right? And then you, you're not – I mean, he just throws tons of go routes. Yeah. Guys were 6'5 over 5'10 quarter. So I, I don't know. Zach Taylor does not run a scheme that's really fit to Joe Burrow, so I'm going to be very intrigued to see how – poorly he looks next year and then um so uh, i think the biggest thing that i noticed though we talked about etn not being used in this game to me i mean they got down and then they just kind of panicked away from their game plan right and and, i mean when you get down you got to start forcing it in the air and then you know so on and so forth and it just seemed like it was a big spot for trevor lawrence and i don't seem like he was seeing ghosts out there a lot of times felt yeah I, i feel like they felt like they couldn't they couldn't run once they got down um, and that momentum swung so hard because that LSU front is really beefy. It's hard to run right at them. You got to try to do, you know, get out in the eight gap or do pitches or throw a screen. You got to get out in space. You can't really just go up the middle. So I think that was part of it. Trevor Lawrence, he's getting a lot of criticism for the game. I don't think he played great by any means, but I think it's fair to say, like, he's still, if you look at him versus Joe Burrow, who would you take to the next level? Because I think he's still projecting better. Me too. Uh, Me too. But I don't think a lot of people would answer it that way after that game. Uh, I don't. Well, I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't answer it that way. But I'm not basing it on that game. I just. I don't. He just something about his demeanor and the way he carries himself. Like he's a good dude, but it just feels like. Like in that game, he was just panicky. Joe does seem like more of a badass than him. I will say that. But yeah. I like Trevor Lawrence's skill set a little bit more. Um, I think he can make more throws to to Jason's point is he throws a lot of a lot of go routes and a lot of slants to really fast and really big guys. I'm not discrediting having like a 75% completion percentage by any no. means. No. I just think Trevor Lawrence is a slightly better prospect at the next level. Sure. I, I don't hate the take necessarily. It'll be interesting to see what he does next year and to see where that kind of balances out on the other side. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to play football next year and he'd be the number one pick. I mean, <laughs> I think that's I, I just, just being truthful, his arm strength everything he has and uh, this year was a down year for Clemson but they still had a ton of NFL talent it was just extremely young I mean you look at across the line it's a young line Um, they did have some senior wide receivers there but the defensive line was extremely young there was just a lot Trevor Lawrence looked to me like a guy who knew he was playing a better team and not that it's good or bad or indifferent but it looked like a guy to me who's like hey I've been here 
I played Bama. Like I, I played, I, I know what I'm looking at here. I, I know we don't have a shot. I know, not in a bad way, but it was just a guy who is like, I'm not going to kill myself. See the way I, I get that. The way it came off to me was that he thought he was going to see something else. Didn't and sort of, I'm not going to say panic. Cause that's definitely not the right word, but like, well, I mean, it, it shocked him to see what he saw. Well, yeah, but then again, just like last game versus Ohio State, T. Higgins was in and out of the locker room. I mean, it just seemed like there's so much shuffling going around. I, yeah, to me, to your point, something just seemed off. I don't know what it was. Maybe an injury we don't know about. That could be a case. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow looked like he had broken ribs like half the game. Yeah, he was telling dudes not to touch him, man. He was definitely, definitely in some pain. T. Higgins kind of scares me a little bit at the next level because I think he's a great talent. It's just he seems to be pretty injury prone unless they're just being extra cautious with him. Let me ask you guys this though. Yeah. Did it did it bother you or does it matter to you that that game was in New Orleans and it's basically a home game and it was probably a 75-25 split? I mean, yeah, there's going to be an advantage there, but I mean, you can't predict that stuff. It'd be the same way with the Super Bowl. We've never had a team play, you know, in their home stadium. I mean, sure. it's just these things are booked so far in advance. I don't even think Joe Burrow was on LSU when when this was booked. So I, you know I, what I that's true about the Super Bowl is because it's just played in Miami, Arizona, L.A., and Dallas. Where it's been never played be. in New York. Uh, that's true, yeah. but it's mostly pay, played in Southern states where the teams I just talked about are not getting to a Super Bowl. Uh, but, uh, it was in Minnesota two years ago. New York, sure. I think five or so. I mean, they. It's based on the new stadiums, right. so it, it, it I, there's I don't really have a problem with the circulation of that, and so yeah, I, yeah nothing there, no it, issues. It feels pretty balanced overall. Like I, they'll do it in L.A. here soon. They'll do it in Vegas. The, all that. Like they want to. They always give it. I think it's like two years or something like that to like make sure it's, you know, all the the eccentricities have been worked out before they host the biggest game of the year. But I, I, I don't. I, I see what you're saying, but. To JB's point, you can't really predict that, and there's not really any yeah. rhyme or reason to that other than the fact that it just worked out that way. But it was definitely more of a home crowd, and you, <laughs> you know, I, we weren't even sure. Kyle, you and I talked about that last week. Like we weren't sure that the Clemson crowd was going to travel as as obviously as easily as it is for you know people from Baton yeah, Rouge, it, you know, it did actually travel pretty well from what what they, I heard and what it looked did. like. Yeah, for sure. But even so, great day for the state of Louisiana. Man, pretty awesome, right? Go Daggers. You, you got to be gotta happy. Love, you got to love Coach O no matter how you feel about LSU. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That, that guy's fantastic for college football. I, I wish him nothing, but I would love to see LSU be, you know, double-digit wins for the next decade. I, I hope that happens. That, 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 he seems like a good guy, so a uh, lot, lot better than uh, some coaches. So. Do you <laughs> see them competing for the uh, the playoff next year? No. It's too much talent leaving. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, I well, I, I really want to follow what Georgia has going on. They're bringing in a transfer quarterback from Wake Forest. Jamie Newman um, doesn't really fit what I consider their offense, um, but that'll be interesting. He's, he's definitely a running quarterback, does have a, a, a decent arm, um, really electric guy, but just a streaky guy, if that makes sense. I mean, he's like that exact mid-major quarterback where there's some games he looks great. Um, he's going to be a fifth-year senior, so certainly uh, I'll be intrigued there. I like what Kirby's got going on. He's got a, a terrific young wide receiver crew coming back. 
next year. That offensive line will reload. They have uh, Matt Rule coaching up that offensive line, which is huge. One of the better lineman coaches in the league, former old Miss head coach. So uh, George is certainly going to be a team that's going to be on my radar, especially however these shake out. And you got to watch what Oregon does. Uh, King from uh, DeAndre. Or, Derek King. Derek King from Houston. Mm-hmm. He's been rumored to be going up to Oregon. Oregon just hired Joe Moorhead as their offensive coordinator. I think that's a real natural fit for his offense. If that's the case, looking at Oregon's schedule, um, that could get point. real exciting. Yeah, uh, he's watching watch that. He's super athletic, and he's going to probably be able to run over because right because where you know his line is going to be so much better when he gets to Oregon, and his weapons are going to be so much better. It's going to open up him in space. That could be really really interesting because we saw what they did this year. I mean, I think with Fields returning to Ohio State, that's got to be on the radar regardless of how many guys they're putting into yeah. the NFL because they're going to replace those. And obviously Clemson, too, is going to be right there again next year no matter how what scenario you try to work out. The, their ACC schedule, they're going to be there. Yeah, Clemson's an automatic shoe in next year looking at that schedule. Oregon and Ohio State actually play each other in Eugene, Oregon, September 12th. Um, that would be a good game. Yeah, outside of that, you unless you're – big on usc um there's pretty much everyone's looking at a first year starting quarterback uh the rest Mm -hmm. of oregon schedule so yeah i can't wait for that even if they lose to ohio state if they go 12 and 1 based on what we're looking at uh that's gonna be a fun game i pencil me in for september 12th next year uh i can't wait again we king hasn't gone there that's just a bunch of rumors but yeah um, certainly, uh, certainly follow that transfer portal this offseason. And to that point, like I think that's what LSU is going to be kind of hinging on is the transfer portal type situation where you've got to have a guy that comes in there with some experience. Like they're not really deep as far as recruiting classes go right now. Just like having that next guy up that's ready to replace a Heisman winner who throws a crap ton of touchdowns. You just don't have that guy yet. So they are going to rely on that transport transfer portal as well. Yeah, I, I, oh, well, Lincoln Riley's made a career out of that all. Good time. point. So, yeah, um, LSU does have some chambers in their chest, a couple four-star quarterbacks. So we don't want to discount those guys. But if you're solely looking at bringing in a guy with with starting experience, a um, couple guys certainly to follow. KJ Costello, obviously, also left Stanford. That's a big name that I like. So um, I'll be intrigued where he ends up. Um, and then Jake Bentley went out to Utah, uh, former SC quarterback. Um, fifth year, love his game. I think ending up in Utah is fantastic for him. So I'd uh, be, be be very interesting. I, I love these transfer portals. I think it's great for college football. Why why Agreed. hurt the kids? Let them go where they can play. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, that wraps up college football for the year. Let's move into NFL. Let's kick this off. We officially have all the coaching hirings done. Yes. JB, who yep. is the the hire that you're most excited about this year? Well, I mean, obviously, as a Cowboy fan, this super crew that we've assembled okay. That's fair. with Mike McCarthy, <laughs> Joe Philbin, Mike Nolan, um, we bring in the best special teams coach in the game over from the Rams. I mean, how can you not be excited when you're looking at this? Xavier Woods already went on first take and anointed the Cowboys Super Bowl champions, so you don't need to watch the season next year. He's already called it. Don't worry about it, guys. Cowboy. I know we haven't finished up this year, but we're already done for next year. So just saving you guys. And then go to Vegas, lay the Cowboys 20 to 1 odds, 2021. Boom. 
done and taken. It's really <laughs> um, upsetting to hear that, buddy. Hey, you know what? He he's a confident kid. Uh, outside of that, I think just the natural one is going to be with Carolina and Matt Rule. Uh, there's a lot of positive things that everyone has said about turning a program and culture around. I, I think that's needed in Carolina, and I think I know we've said it's not possible. I think now with this hire and Joe Brady calling plays, I think Cam Newton comes back to Carolina. I I think it greatly increases the possibility. Matt Rule said that he likes Cam Newton. He's reached out to them. Again, this is is a gut job, and this is the only way Matt Rule is taking an NFL head coach coaching gig, and he made that very clear. If I bring in my guys, I know what I need to do. I turn programs and – organizations around so i am just intrigued if it will work because i mean the baylor magic this year uh, we'll see but it's intriguing if you're saying excited i am so excited to see what joe brady can do at the next level without elite weapons because carolina i mean outside of cmc and mm-hmm. if they lose cam I, it, there's just a lot of moving pieces DJ with Moore more like, eh. yeah i mean he was good he was good this year he was really good this year Kyle, where's your yeah. head on this? They don't have a lot of weapons there, but outside of CMC, but I, I'm I'm with JB there. I think Rule is the most intriguing hire. Like Ron Rivera is a great hire. I think he's a really good head coach, but that Washington roster is really bad. So I don't know if I could say that's the best hire. Um, I'm I'm like we've talked about it. I give the McCarthy hire a B plus. Like I'm excited about it. I'm not overly sold, but I'm more optimistic than I would be, obviously, with you know returning with Garrett. So. You know what wow. you're you, – there's more upside, though. Like, oh, there's way more upside. I'm cool with a potential lower valley if I can have a higher peak because I just can't see an eight eight or nine win season again. Like, give me 11 wins or give me six wins. It's fair. I, I really like I really like the Giants hiring of Joe Judge. I think oh, that's a really shocker. good hiring. What about Jason Garrett joining that staff? That's <laughs> a wild situation. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think that – I know you guys don't want to hear this, but I don't think that's necessarily a terrible hire. No, I, and I've said this before. Garrett is a fine OC. Um, I, I just it, this goes back to my point of why the Cowboys kept him so long. No one else interviewed him for a head coaching gig. Well, they didn't fire him for like ten days, so they that, he was under contract. Inter- he was at the star and watched other coaches get interviewed. You don't, <laughs> that's his own I mean, fault. He let that happen. I don't know what yeah. to say. That's that that my point is have some pride. No one no one wants to interview that guy to be their head coach. He doesn't have value to anyone else. And it was just proven right there. I mean, you had Carolina had an opening, Cleveland had an opening. None of them requested to interview Jason Garrett when he's on the market. And now one of the worst teams in the NFL, like, oh, we'll interview him for an OC job. Doesn't mean he's going there, but he's I will bet you a hundred dollars he's a head coach next year. Not not this coming season, but after next year, whenever the twenty twenty one twenty twenty one when the coaching carousel is going around, whenever the Raiders rise up and fire Gruden, that won't happen. But you know, whatever, I don't care. Wow. Whoever it's going to be, that is going to be the next you know one on the chopping block. I bet you he gets a job. Hundred bucks. Kyle, do I take this? No, I think <laughs> someone's going to give him a job. Dude, teams are stupid. It's not a matter of whether he deserves it or not. Yeah. Teams are dumb. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll sit on this one. I'll J-Mac's sit. been t- right about people doing dumb shit too much in sports that I can't. I need to see to where he, I need to see where he goes first. Because if he does go to an offense where he can have success and look really smart, then yeah, I could see him getting out of gig. But if he ends up in a. Uh, and can we 
make any sense of Kevin Stefanski being hired to be Cleveland's head coach. I so was just about to bring that up. You're you're agreeing to meet with the ownership and discuss plays with the ownership, and then you watch Kirk Cousins get completely shut down and throw for 100 yards for San Francisco, and they went, God damn it, bring me that man. Yeah. You got to have and, that. And all, on top of that, decide to tell Josh McDaniels, who has six Super Bowl rings, that he doesn't – that they want to keep parts of the organization – organization that they feel like are winning parts of the organization when they've gone 33 and 111 since 2011 that's crazy those parts don't exist there are no winning parts no when that's your when that's your record over a decade i the the josh mcdaniel thing was just weird to me because what was it that they wanted to change wasn't he wanted guys to basically come like in a nutshell more prepared to film study or and it's like why is that an issue like, I really just don't understand that. The Browns, I I get it from the standpoint of Minnesota's offense looked good this year when Cook was running the ball with Thielen and Diggs going. So if you think, okay, OBJ and Jarvis are as good, if not better, than Thielen or Diggs, and Chubb is, to me, actually more talented than Dalvin Cook, if not equally as talented, that line needs to get better. But I, I like I get it from that sense, but – I just think Josh McDaniel was the better hire there. I think they. I think it was twofold. I think Bill paid McDaniel's to go there and fuck with them. That'd be like, great. Hey, let's go mess around with him because you know Patriots get, get gutted every year on all these assistant coaches, not their main assistants, because Bill keeps you know like this, Judge. Yeah, I mean he's got like this weird emperor claw on Josh McDaniel's that won't let him leave. And then, you know, everyone else leaves. McDaniels trains this new crop. Bill pops out another kid that looks just like him and is going on the coaching staff. So how do we not hear about Steve Belichick for all these years? I fucking love Steve Belichick. Just suddenly this year he's in the media, like, weekly talking like Bill, looks like Bill. Uh, it looks like he's never had sex in his life. To be fair, he probably has. But, you know, I mean, what the hell? Has the mullet. He's he's rocking the whole thing hard. I like it. it. So I, I think it was twofold. I think McDaniels had no interest in actually truly going there. And secondly, I think Cleveland was like, oh, shit. If we sign McDaniels, he's going to trade OBJ to the Patriots. Mm. Yeah, we can't do that. We can't. Yeah, I, I think that he just went in there with a, a plan and gently tried to say, like, look, this is what's wrong. This is what we're going to fix. And they didn't want to do that. And I, I just I don't know why you wouldn't. But the <laughs> this is the same team that hired – Freddie Kitchens last year and JB I think you sent me this on Twitter where it was everybody said the same thing about Freddie Kitchens this year great guy yeah no business being a head coach and like it, it's so true it, like I like Freddie Kitchens I think he's fine I think he should be hired as an OC something like that somewhere <laughs> at least not no business being a head coach but that's okay and I just this they, they've just made one flabbergasting bad decision after another for the last Ever since I can remember. I don't remember them ever making a hire where I'm like, that seemed like the right hire. Right. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious what's going to go on Freddie Kitchens because he's still a free agent. And I've said it. He's a good offensive mind. Terrible head coach. We said all year. He's got no problem calling plays and schematically getting it out there. He just can't run an offense to save his – or run a team to save his life. Just don't give him nine chances from four yards because then it definitely won't work out. That happened twice this year. Yeah, that's true. And I just, I, I that like, I, I understand that Baker wants to walk around with the chip on his shoulder thing and all that, but like, 
that doesn't work in the NFL, bro. So you need a coach that can take control of that situation. And I just, I, I mean, Stefanski seems like a fine hire, it, 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 you know, whatever, I guess. But like, I just don't see him as someone that's going to walk in there and take charge of that room. I just don't. Yeah. It's a difficult, it's a, that's probably the most difficult situation to walk into because there is expectation because of talent. Right. But it's just kind of a toxic organization. But like, how, um, like, how do you then look at somebody who literally has six rings and be like, this guy, we don't think this guy knows what he's talking about or whatever. Like I, I, that is, that is unbelievable to me. Well, it's a typical Brown's move. As you, as you pointed out, I hope that McDaniels wore all the rings. I would have. <laughs> let's do let's talk about the uh monday night football crew okay. i know i know jb wanted to dive into that a little bit uh about who would be your ideal monday night football crew and i got to thinking <clears throat> should we say who's actually realistic or are we talking about just humans on the planet Both. we're doing Both. we're doing twofold here yep who okay. is realistic this would actually be a legit crew and then your humorous crew who would be just, if this happened, you'd just die. My humorous crew would be Mike Leach and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Holy <laughs> And Oh, man. I know this is like kind of, because I'm thinking of like really realistic, like people that are in the industry on pro football. I actually enjoy it because I don't really like the studio shows that much as for pregame, but I could do like a Matt Hasselbeck, Randy Moss. So hmm. I want to build off that. My, my humorous but like could happen crew would be Booger back on the Booger Mobile. No, no, oh, out on the field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which did you see him? He was at the national championship game with yes. a coin flip. Just, what the hell? Like, come on. So you put him back on the Booger Mobile, <laughs> then up in the booth doing doing play by play, Chris Berman, and doing the color Randy Mouse. Okay. okay. I like that. I, I like the Randy Moss up there in the booth. Me yeah, too. I like that too. I, I like, yeah, I like the the contrast there. So I'm I'm gonna go a couple curveballs here. I'm gonna go with my my humorous one would definitely involve Bill Walton in some way because yes. he Stop. no matter Stop. what sport he's talking about is just unbelievable every time he does. I ran into some pictures the other day. It was like three or four years ago, maybe even been a little bit longer than that now. Of like, remember when ESPN had like seven different feeds of the national championship, and they were doing all kinds of different yeah. like, which was pretty cool, but it was a little bit overboard. But there was he he came in to the booth at, uh, in one of those channels and was like announcing the game with the people dressed like Uncle Sam for some reason in like January. <laughs> and it's like what is happening here? It's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so Bill Walton would definitely be involved, and I, I love the call of Mike Leach next to him. I think that they. <laughs> Oh, oh my God, God. that would be incredible. It'd be unbelievable. Um, but really and truly, for my actual one, I really like Romo. Uh, he's really, really grown on I me a too. lot. And I just don't like, I don't really care who the other guy is. I'm fine with Randy Moss. I just don't want it to be Booger. I don't want Booger to have anything to do with it. Well, the, yeah, that wouldn't happen because Tony, Tony wouldn't. Him and Jim Dominic. Yeah, that's true. Guy like that. So that's a good point. I but, mean, if Tony and Jim moved to Monday Night Football, that'd be ideal, but CBS isn't going to let that happen. Um, dude, just Mike Leach in the mix would be fantastic. Bill Walton, though, I watched him. Uh, he was calling the Oregon Arizona game last week. Don't ask me why I was watching that game. It's for bad reasons. He was, he sounds like he's on an acid trip when he, he like, he doesn't even make sense. He just says conference of championships. He was, conference of champions and he was just like eating peanut butter with his finger and just saying nothing about the game of basketball 
I was like, how is this on television? And the other guy, like, I don't know if it's their shtick, but he's just seemed legitimately pissed off. So could we get OJ Simpson as the on-field reporter? <laughs> I'd be okay that with that, but incredible. I could see how that would be problematic. <laughs> hey there, Monday Night Football World. It's your guy, OJ Simpson. I'm down here with a bunch of knives. Oh, I mean. <laughs> JB, do you he's follow just, him on Twitter? He's just on Lambo. Yes. He has no gloves on his hand while he's on Lambo at like negative seven. Oh, uh, realistically though, I mean, it does sound like Tony's got a ton of momentum. I would love to see Vern Lundquist for one year come out of retirement okay. and and take that side by side with him, kind of ease him into it. Uh, you know, obviously, tons of years with CBS. I'm not sure if there'd be any any love lost there, but I would love to see Vern Lundquist back in the booth Monday Night Football. That'd He's getting be... a little old, though, man. Maybe just for a year, because he might start thinking it's SEC games again. Well, that's what I'm saying. One year's fine. He still does He still does the Masters and random events. I mean, it's not yeah. like he's completely completely gone. So, <laughs> oh, God, J-Mac just <laughs> the Bill Walton in a, <laughs> a suit. Oh, my. Uncle Sam's. I'll tweet it out here in a little while so the listeners can see it. It's pretty damn good. Oh, wow. Dude, Jay Billis is great, too. That's who he's sitting, sitting next to. That's right, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they got to switch up Tessa Torn Booger, right? Like, they can't. They yeah, can't no, they're already gone. Right. They, yeah, they already okay, said they're okay. gone. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that's just like, a, they know that's just a walking meme. Yeah. I mean, Booger was literally, like, talking at points like he didn't understand the game of football. And he couldn't stop making sexual innuendos no matter how bad he wanted to. <laughs> like two or three a game. All over the screen. All <laughs> over. He said no harm, no foul six times in the fourth quarter in one game. And it was just the most incredible thing ever. And it he won- said no harm, no foul when Josh Allen pitched it back to like the third string tight end and was who was four feet away from him. And it won a ball. That was YOLO ball. He threw that ball up. He did not know where he was going, but that's a YOLO ball. Something Josh Allen will learn from as he continues to play the game of football that will continue next year because his team has lost. <laughs> what so are you bad. talking about? And then about, he kept Booger. talking about taking a knee on third down. Like, there was just so many things happening dude, there, dude. If I'm ESPN, I got to keep him, though. You know, like, put him, put him on the, you know, game day crew put him he's got to be announcing games for espn for college football if i can't find booger next year i'm gonna be so depressed <laughs> he was on he's the so bad it's awesome before the uh the booger mobile he was on the sec network right yeah yeah because yeah, he played for lsu right he was pretty good though like he wasn't too bad for college football i don't know sure yeah expectations are lower you can bring him in you can bring him in though they got to get rid of lee corso at some point right oh, i mean like yeah. Lee's Lee's he, really he's kind of he's off. a he's approaching the Lou Holtz territory where you can't understand what he's saying and you just feel oh, bad. I think he's past Lou oh no okay no no, no. Lou Holtz <laughs> the end got rough. It looked like he was having a stroke <laughs> every Saturday and I mean that in the nicest way possible like but he wasn't I mean he's like <laughs> yeah. he's drooling up the side of his <laughs> mouth and ESPN's just rolling through it all right like I had no fucking clue what you just said Lou unbelievable. Oh, should we talk some? Should we talk some professional football? Let's do it. I, I guess so. Well, you know, I know we talked about Monday Night Football crews. I'm sure we'll see both these teams on full display on Monday Night Football next year. The Tennessee Titans look to win a fourth consecutive road game, something that's never been done in the NFL before, as they head on the highway to Kansas City and Arrowhead. Line seven, seven and a half, bouncing around 52 and a half, 53, depending where you look. 
Uh, no weather currently in the forecast, but Kyle, I'll start with you. I, I want to examine kind of both sides of this game and starting with Tennessee's offense versus Kansas City's defense. Uh, I, I, where do you see success? Is it going to be in the run game or passing game mostly? Well, I mean, I think for uh, Tennessee's offense on Kansas City's defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be in the run game because Chris Jones is not going to be 100% even if he does play. I don't know if that's been – if he's active or inactive. It's probably a game-time decision. But I think obviously they're going to have eight guys in the box. They're going to make it an effort to stop the run. I just – I trust there's another 30-carry, 180-yard performance coming from Derrick Henry. Yeah. I, I do think Tannehill throws for well over 100 yards in this game as well. I think so, too. And like the thing is, like that's definitely going to be Rabel's strategy here, because if you look at it like I, I was thinking about the Ravens game today and they I mean, it, it was a little bit different story there just because the Ravens definitely looked like they hadn't played football in like a month and a half, <laughs> even though they had. But they seemed like they hadn't. And like Ingram not being a factor hurt them big time. So you have you know you're you're stacking the box you're trying to stop the run and their secondary i went back and watched some film from that Ra uh, that uh, ravens game their secondary was lighting it up the entire time and i think that could i mean it's mahomes i realize that but like he's going to be putting the the ball in the air a lot and you know that risk is you put the air the ball in the air enough and you're going to throw picks it's true but i think it's going to come down to our dudes going to drop balls cuz mahomes had five or six drops for, uh, by his receivers last week. Right. And Lamar Lamar's stats looked worse than they were because dudes were dropping the ball all over the place for Lamar, too. I think Mahomes makes those passes this week, and I think those receivers – I don't think there's going to be six drops on Kansas City's end this weekend. No, you certainly would hope, Don. If you look at the first matchup between these two, uh, really Tennessee struggled to defend Patrick Mahomes, and that was the game he was coming back from his knee injury. Right. Um, so They still beat him, though. Oh, well, at the very you know, end, and Tennessee we'll did about win. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. Tennessee did win, but that was uh, that was a perfect recipe. You know, Kansas City gets their quarterback back, kind of a sigh of relief. They're up big. They get the field goal block that would have won the game. Then Tennessee goes down. I mean, there was a lot in that game where Kansas City truly should have covered. So they went. So Mahomes in that game went. He was uh, thirty-six of fifty, four hundred forty-six yards, three touchdowns, with a one nineteen point two quarterback rating. Pretty good. And he was and like he couldn't 70, run. He was like seventy percent though. So right. now, like he's going to have that kind of performance potentially this week, and maybe not that exact performance, but but dude, Derrick Henry looked really damn good. And if he can get over, I think he's going to go over a hundred yards easily. And as long as he does that, I think they're going to give Kansas City a run for their money here. Yeah, I mean San Francisco is the best team going, but. Uh, Derrick Henry and Mahomes are the two best players going right now. That's going to be the fun matchup. Look, it's something I mentioned coming in. No NFL teams won four straight road games. And it, at some point, it catches up to you, right? Like, I mean, everything's fallen into line for Tennessee. I mean, from last week, the early turnovers to the big plays off the turnovers. I'm not discrediting them, but I mean, what? They scored 14 points versus the Patriots. In, in round one, that's not going to get the job done most times versus the Patriots or, or any team in the playoffs. Um, I mean, last week, as I mentioned, it was really a snowball effect. And if you if you spot Tennessee that big of a lead, they know how to handle it. Uh, unfortunately, Houston doesn't. That's something we know with Bill O'Brien. He has Hilarious. no idea how to handle a lead. <laughs> and I just feel like Kansas City's humming at the right time. I mean, they have to be just brimming with confidence. Um, a Thornhill does hurt him with a torn ACL. He had surgery this week. That, that does suck. 
But I think you're going to see Tyrone Matthews really going to be that X-factor guy because he plays that kind of buzz position where he could be lined up outside man-on-man. He could be back playing center field. He can be down in the box. And as Kyle mentioned, they're going to have to drop an extra guy down there. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how they handle Derrick Henry. But at the end of the day, I think you just have to look at the over in this game. I know it's an atrocious number at 53, but J-Mac, you mentioned it. No one can stop Derrick Henry right now. And that's fine, and no one could stop Patrick Mahomes. So right. this has the feel of what we saw last year with the Patriots and Chiefs. A shootout, and whoever gets the ball at OT or whoever makes the costly turnover, that's where it's gonna, That's what this feels like again. That's where I'm at. And I'm actually, this is going to be one of my bets of the week, though, but I'm going to take Tennessee plus the 7.5 points. I don't know that they win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than 7.5. Than yeah, I mean, when the total gets this big, the touchdown kind of the values diminished a little bit because when you are, if you're talking about KC scoring 30-plus points, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to pick a side here. Um, it just feels like a total shootout to me, even if Tennessee decides to run the ball and have the control. I, I just don't see where the stops come from on either side because with Thornhill out, what he really allowed Tyrone Matthew to do was to be kind of the buzzer going all around the field and – Thornhill was able to be that eraser for them over the top and kind of prevent that. And we saw last week with Fuller and Kenny Stills, they had some problems there. So um, I don't know. I think it's just going to be a really exciting game. I think Kansas City comes out on top. It feels like a team of destiny. I just, at some point, it has to catch up with this Tennessee Titans team. Because there's there's not a matchup on defense that they they win to me right now. Yeah, it's gonna it's definitely going over. I'm with you guys there. Um I'm with J-Mac. I think I'm taking the seven and a half here. Just getting that full touchdown and still covering is, I think that's a, a big deal. Um, not surprised. I do think Kansas City wins the game. Not surprised if they cover. Uh, I think they win the game. But if, I, if I'm betting it, I'm definitely going over. If I had to pick the spread, I, I would definitely take Tennessee. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points in an AFC, you know. I mean, for the way that they're playing. I mean, it really, yeah. it really is just too many points. Um they were down what, twenty one rip, twenty four rip last week, and yeah, still exactly. easily That's what I'm covered. Saying. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, how if you're gonna trade gut punches, at some point, I'm taking Mahomes over Ryan Tannehill. It, oh no, that. I think Kansas City wins the game 100. percent I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. I can see Tennessee controlling the game. I do kind of like over 21 and a half points for Tennessee as well. Yeah, I don't hate that either because I do think Tannehill's going to have to step up a little bit here. And the other thing is, too, like I I think that's probably a big factor you just pointed out there, Kyle, is the difference in gameplay style, too, where you're going to be handing it off to Derrick Henry and like just letting the clock run over and over and over and over versus like putting the ball in the air. And we know how that goes. Now, you may outscore the hell out of them, and that's what Andy Reid hopes to do every single time. But, I mean, we were just talking about them being down 24 to nothing. And, I mean, I was making fun of Andy Reid like crazy because that tends to be how that goes, even though, you know, that wasn't Mahomes' fault necessarily by any stretch of the imagination. But I just, I don't know. I, I think controlling the clock is going to be bigger in this game than people may give it credit for. So I'm taking the plus seven and a half for sure. Yeah, I see the KC defense getting worn down for sure. Like Tennessee looks so confident out there, the way they're running the ball with double tight ends. And I mean, just these, Old old school, just base formations. They look really, really confident in what they're doing, and I think that can wear on a team that 
yeah, Matthew is incredible how he plays so many positions, but they got a lot of slight guys on, on the back end there, and I think it's going to wear on them. Yeah, I get. I, I think it's an intriguing game. I, no one stopped Eric Henry to this point, and I don't think the Chiefs' defense is suddenly going to revolutionize uh, themselves here. It's a, uh, an average defense. But, again, I'm just going to trust uh, Patrick Mahomes. I don't hate a teaser of getting down, uh, you, you know, the Chiefs to a minus one and then an over 46-and-a-half type of deal. I, I think that's a, a really good scenario that you're looking at because uh, if the Chiefs are going to win, it's probably going to be with a bunch of points on the scoreboard. Yep, and I'm excited to look at some props, too, for Mahomes, yards, and TDs, Henry yards as well. I'm interested to see what those come out at. Yeah, and same deal on Ryan Tannehill. If we talked about he's going to have to step up and have a big day, you know, with the recency he's thrown for, what, 100 yards the past two games combined in the playoffs? It's been like 75 and 80. So, I mean, does that recency bias play in here? If you can get a, you know, a nice number in the mid 150s. (laughs) Yeah, I might go over 150. That's crazy. All right, we take that. Uh, Well, to heading up, that's the early day action. Then we're heading out to the West Coast to San Francisco as the Green Bay Packers head on the highway to Levi's Stadium to face Jimmy Garoppolo for the second time this year. We're sitting at another minus seven, minus seven and a half line, but with a different over-under looking at 45. Uh, Kyle, I guess I'll start with you here. Um, do you feel more that the Packers are lucky to be here after last week with that, with Russell Wilson storming back? I mean, and again, the refs spotting the ball incorrectly. Seems like a lot had to go the Packers' way there to scave them off. Yeah, it really did, and they haven't been overly impressive on this. They're they're on an incredible win streak, but they haven't been overly impressive in any of those games, and I think last week between Seattle and Green Bay, you had two teams that were both relying on a really good quarterback and relying on some luck to get to where they got. I think San Francisco's humming. I think they're the most complete team left of the Final Four here. Um, I love San Francisco to cover the 7.5 for sure. Uh, I really like the over 26 and a half team total for them. The over under is kind of in that, you know, the 45, 46 zone where I'm not sure if Vegas knows which way it's going to go. I'd probably leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, as, that's as far as my bets go. As far as the game goes, though, I just, I think San Francisco is going to have their way running the ball in the screen Bay defense, similar situation where they're going to get worn out as well. And that green Bay offense Aaron Jones is impressive, but the D line for San Francisco is much different than Seattle. And I think that's going to, going to be the X factor in this game is that D line. For sure. I think I was just thinking back to the, I think it was week like 10, something like that when green Bay played the Niners and they just got absolutely walloped. And I was looking into some of the numbers and after the Seattle game yesterday, or last week, excuse me, you had, as far as Aaron Rodgers' top targets, you had Devontae Adams over the season of 83 receptions total. The next one was Alan Lazard. How many, How many? if I set it at 50, how many would you say over or under? Under. Kyle? I would think the second receiver would be over that number, but I know that guy was definitely under. Yeah, 35. Terrible. But I will say, it's, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here, and if he wants to get to Devontae Adams, he will. And you also had, you know, Adam Jones is a, a weapon there, too. I Aaron. just, Aaron Jones, I always do that, damn it. Um, I just don't see, though, with Bosa being healthy and all that, I just don't see them succeeding against that 49ers defense. I just don't. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not the athlete that he was three or four years ago, especially when he or eight eight or nine years ago when he won the Super Bowl. He's going to be under duress in this game, and I just think that the speed of a healthy D Ford and the power of Bosa and you know Armstead, who's really come on, and obviously Buckner and his size, I just it's a good Packers offensive line, and I think. You know, JB, you know that. I know you know a lot about the offensive lines. I think that's a quality line, but I just think that that D line is too impressive and the back end is good enough to hold up for some covered sacks. Yeah. I mean, San Francisco, we've talked about it nauseum to both of your point being the most complete team in the NFL, most balanced. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, that's got to be one of the more underrated trades, right? I mean, arguably absolutely. the best. Yeah. I mean, that's arguably the best trade of the year. Yeah, he he has come in and just completely solidified that team and allowed other players like Debo Samuel to really come into their own and not have that pressure. So I, I love Debo Samuel. That was a guy on draft day. I was going wild to say, I'm loving this San Francisco draft right now, uh, obviously with Bosa getting the value there and, and whatnot. So, I mean, you, you're going to have to watch out for Zadarius Smith. Joe Staley is going to have to step up there. Um, Kenny Clark up the middle, that's going to be really an interesting matchup because if there is one weakness on San Francisco, it's up the middle with their backup center. So if Kenny Clark can feast, he had a great game last week. He looked really healthy. So if Zadarius Smith is winning on the left side and Kenny Clark's winning up the middle, that's really going to change what they're looking to do. I would expect a heavy screen game here, to be quite honest, from what we know Shanahan likes to do. If you look at the coverage uh, for this team, the linebacking coverage for the Packers is absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to see Blake Martinez one-on-one. Yeah, Blake Martinez, B.J. Goodson, um, not exactly your just you know stoutest linebackers to cover. So to see if they can get guys in space, George Kittle – I think they'll probably put Kittle on the side like they did last week, uh, defending Minnesota versus Everson Griffin uh, with those guys rotating around. I think we'll see George Kittle help blocking out with Darius Smith and Gary kind of doing those stunts that they've been doing lately. Um, just that's going to be intriguing. But like you guys mentioned, I mean, DeForest Buckner, Bosa, uh, D Ford, a little banged up with that hamstring. A little bit something to worry. You want to monitor that. I just don't know where he's completely at with that this week. They're kind of being a little bit coy, which uh, doesn't excite me. But I, this just feels like it's too much. And you hate to go chalky with both these teams or both these games. But, I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers had 33 attempts last time they played and only had 100 yards passing. Wow. Holy I shit! Mean, that's three crazy. yards. And that's incredible. I yeah, believe yeah, it. 20, though. 22 completions. I think average around four yards a completion. So give give me this. Give me an X factor. I'll, I'll give you mine, and give me your offensive X factors for each team if they're going to win this game. For Green Bay, I think it has to be Aaron Jones, and that defense is really hard to run on. And for San Francisco. I like Debo Samuel to make make a lot of big plays. I think that could be an X factor because I think they will uh, probably have King on uh, Kevin King on uh, Emmanuel Sanders with some help over the top. Well, yeah. So J- Jair Alexander, kid out of Louisville, um, fantastic corner for those guys. I'll be interested how they use him. Uh, they st- typically like to just stick him on a the side there. Uh, Tremont Williams has had kind of a quietly a nice season for them in the secondary as well. And you mentioned Kevin King, so. 
how they rotate those guys will be something you certainly want to monitor. Um, I, like I mentioned, I think it's going to be the offensive line for for um, San Francisco. I, I hate to make it simple and boring, but oh, if Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark are winning all day versus that, that line, which they've done, and that's the way Green Bay's won games, um, but San Francisco is so good at scheming, bringing in George Kittle to help Kittle's running those screens when you get going downhill too quickly. So I just – the reason I, I love the Packers last week, I was very heavy on them in the first half. And it goes back to Matt LaFleur. He is a great game planner. He is a lot like Andy Reid in the fact that he can game plan the shit out of anything. Mm-hmm. He can script the first 30 plays. And Green Bay looked great in the first half. And they fell off in the second half. And that has been a consistent theme this year of the Green Bay Packers. You get the first half and second half splits for this team. It is atrocious. And so you gave them two weeks at home versus eight. A team that's kind of done the opposite. Yeah, I'm going to try to be nice here. A very below average defense in Seattle. Uh, and then you go out and lay that egg and shut down Russell Wilson for a half. Pete Carroll, one of the best coaches of the NFL, goes in and completely out schemes you in the second half. I mean, if Seattle was at all close to fully healthy or had CJ Carson or Rashad Penny, they probably win that game to me because that so. was that coaching in the second half. Matt LaFleur it just had to be had his head in a pretzel. Yeah, he definitely did. I think that so for me, I like the take on the the line for San Francisco. I think that makes a lot of sure. sense. George Kittle is basically Gronk 2.0. That's pretty much what we're looking at there. Like that dude's so good. But I really think that Devontae Adams is probably going to be your biggest X factor for Green Bay. I mean, it's got to be because I think you're going to be getting the ball in the air more than you're going to be running it just based on the San Francisco defense. I get trying to make sure that Aaron Jones is in, as much involved as possible, but I think that's going to be tough. And then on top of that, I think for the 49ers, you're going to rely on Jimmy G to continue to do his thing. But I think just making sure it's almost like the Travis Kelsey thing. It's like you just have to make sure he's involved. As long as he's involved, things are going to go yeah. your way. And, uh, and, and there have been a couple of times this year with Kittle where – you know, that hasn't exactly been the case, and they've struggled a little bit more than usual, especially in that that last three or four game stretch of the season. Yeah, yeah. and I mean on the other side with Green Bay's offense, uh, what they did last time is they just they understood the pass rush was coming, and they just tried to do this quick pass game, whether it's screens, dump offs, whatever it is, those quick hitches that Rodgers loves. Uh, you can't do that again here. You right. just can't. You have to ask your offensive line to win and have trust and it's probably not going to work. Don't get me wrong. But um, if you're just going to allow them to play press coverage on the outside, Richard Sherman to bang up Devonte Adams. I, just, I don't know where they win here on offense. That's my only struggle. It was with Quan Alexander back. Quan Alexander was probably one of the most ridiculed signings ever in free agency and has been one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. So for them to get him back to help with Aaron Jones, J-Mac, you mentioned it. Aaron Jones is going to have to just have the game of his life. He's going to have yep. to establish the run, and they're going to have to get out to a huge lead and hang on for dear life because I just – I think Shanahan's uh, – this game, I won't be shocked if it's like 10 to 7 and a half. Yeah. And it's just been completely boring. Packers went on a nine-minute drive. San Francisco went on a 10-minute drive, and you're talking about the first half took 55 minutes, and then the Packers do nothing in the second half. I It just – to me, it's going to trend that way. It, if you like – San Francisco and don't want to lay the seven. I'd wait till halftime to see where the line that I think it may be close in half, but we'll see. I see the vision. So, no. would I said I would lay the seven and a half uh, if I was San Francisco or for San Francisco? What would you guys do? 
Yeah. I'm, that's the only way. Yeah, I'm laying it too. No, no problems. Unless, again, unless we get one of those Aaron Rodgers-esque games where he's twirling, he's dancing, no one can sack him. But, man, there is not a better tackling defensive line than Sam. And I'm saying all this, and we're going to see that Sunday. Rodgers is going to be dancing, twirling, flipping his hips around. Jimmy Graham's going to turn the clock back eight years. Uh, he you always know, does. Every, he, these things happen. It's just, that's the NFL. I mean, I don't know why they're out in San Francisco. Maybe they'll get high before the game. And <laughs> Let me give you an interesting prop. Or not even a prop, just the first half line. Packers over seven and a half. That's pretty low. That tells you all you need to know. About. Know, isn't that crazy? But I do like that because, again, I like I talked about, Matt LaFleur is a great game planner. Um, I I very much may look at that. Mm. I mean, it's um, seven and a half. It's so crazy. That is nuts. I I would stay away from that because I don't. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. You love that San Fran D. I, I mean, I, I, do. I, I, I do too. Yeah, I do. All right. Well. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. We've got one more week till we're talking about Super Bowl in Miami. Lots of great content that comes along with all that. That was JB and I's favorite time of the year last year. Ooh. Lots of good stuff coming up, so make sure to Props. rate, review, subscribe to the, the podcast. Make sure to uh, follow us on social media. That's at Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook and at Sensibly Loud on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure to give us a call as well. We want to hear from the fans. We want to hear what you guys have to say. We, we know what you guys want us to talk about. That number to remind everyone is 972-885-9361, and we will see everybody next week. 